Manhead Baptist Church Sermon Podcast for Sunday, the 24th of September 2023. Hello and welcome, thank you once again for joining me. My name's James and I'm the web guy here at NBC. This week Paul continued our series looking at 1 Thessalonians, and he was looking at growing pains. The reading is from 1 Thessalonians, chapter 2, verses 13 to 20. So go and join Paul as he's introducing the service. Well, it's lovely, isn't it, to be here and to be able to uh, not be mopping out the toilets or the entranceway. And it's just great to worship with you. There's just a few notices for the week. Um, you should have received a notice sheet this week. Uh, if you haven't, then uh, either if you ask uh, the office, we can send you one electronically. There are some paper copies at the entrances. You should also have got electronically, or again, in paper via the entrances, this. This is the October to December leaflet, the programme leaflet. It will give you lots of dates and times, um, lots of information, uh, lots of uh, bits of useful, uh, I'm going to say prompts, just so you know where you're at and what you're doing. And the first kind of October to December thing that we're, we're doing this year is harvest. Harvest is next week. That's, Mon- that's Sunday the 1st of October. And it really is October next Sunday. Uh, we'll be celebrating Harvest Festival. Tommy will be preaching. Um, our over 12s will be staying with us. Uh, and Tommy's going to, you'll find out why during the week, but Tommy will then arrange as part of being together. Tommy's going to arrange for you to discuss what he, what he says. So, so listen up and listen wisely. It's that sense of gathering um, as our, an older group. The Sunday is followed by Monday. See, I know my weeks are the days of the week. And on Monday evening, the 2nd of October, at 7 o'clock, we've got a harvest supper. A two-course meal followed by an auction. And there are just a few things to say. The first is to say, if you want to come along, there's a sign-up sheet in the lobby. Can you just sign it for us, please? Put a V if you're vegetarian or vegan or GF if you're gluten-free. Because we need to know numbers so that we don't over-cater. And we can only get about 70 people in the hall. So actually, the other reason for signing up is to make sure we have space. At the moment, there is lots of space. So come and sign. Sorry? About 20 seats. So if you haven't signed up, please do so today. If you forget to sign up and you want to come in the week, just drop us an email. We can always shoehorn someone in, if you see what I mean, I'm sure. But in reality, we want to make sure no one's left out. Now... Any monies that are raised from the meal, following the cost of the meal, will go towards Mission Aviation Fellowship. And a suggested donation to cover the cost of the meal is a fiver. Um, But as I say, monies raised after the cost of the meal will go towards Mission Aviation Fellowship. So will any money we raise at the auction after the meal. We have an auction. This is your chance to outbid the pastor on the can of beans that he definitely must have that he's prepared to pay a tenner for so come come along and share in that auction Alec's going to be running that for us thank you Alec if you've got any questions please see him but that does mean next week we want to encourage you to bring along your goods your produce things we can sell in essence to raise money for mission aviation fellowship if you think well that I'm not sure if I should bring that again can I encourage you to, to see Alec so for example If you have some lovely manure for the garden, we could produce a sign that says you can get manure. What we'd rather you didn't do is bring the manure. (laughs) So so actually, just 
talk to Alec or myself and we'll work that out with you. And I want to just tell you, whatever we can do together to raise money for this organisation, let's do it. It was brilliant last time. Um, Alec, I think, enjoyed the auctioning. I, I certainly enjoyed the bidding. So please, please, please have, come along and have some fun. There's one, two other notices for the day. The first is to say, happy birthday, Ken. Birthday today, I understand. I'm going to guess your age, my friend. Is that all right? 63? <laughs> Good, near enough? Near enough. <laughs> so, anyone else got a birthday today? Lucy. Oh, 24 Lucy. Is that right? <laughs> Anybody else today got a birthday? I've been pointed Sue. Tomorrow, Sue. Another lady in her 20s. <laughs> Beloved. And William at the back. And Jules. Is that right, Jules? 54, mate? <laughs> no, definitely not. I've, by the look on his face, I'm in for it later. <laughs> now, can you remember that list of names? Now, as far as I'm aware, we've got Ken and we've got William. Philippa, sorry, Philippa. I, I do well, another lady in her 20s. Philippa and Lucy and Jules and Sue. Got that? Okay. If you can fit them all in brilliantly, if you're like me and not really quite sure if you can, we'll sing to everyone <laughs> to that point, okay? But let's thank God for these wonderful people and wish them a happy birthday. Happy birthday to Bless you, friends. There's one more notice to bring. It's a notice that we're going to stop and pray about. If you didn't hear last week, Richard uh, is preaching with a peep at the church today. Uh, we have the privilege of being able to pray for him before their church service starts. So it'd be good to just stop for a moment to ask that the Lord will help Richard and the church he's at discern the call of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for Richard, for his time among us, for his ministry that developed among us, Lord. We thank you that you are a God who calls on. And Lord, we pray today for Richard as he preaches with the people at this church. We pray for him. We pray for the church leadership, for their selection committee, and for the church members as a whole. As Lord, he simply lays down the heart of the gospel from his, home, his, his own heart that you, Lord, would make known to him and make known to the congregation your will and your way. We pray for our brother who has been called into ministry, that there will be a strong sense of calling and that he would know your will. Bless him and keep him safe, we pray. Open up his mouth, take the words from his lips that are his and give him your words. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, today, if you look to our pro, if you look to, to the programme leaflet we're, st we're still following for this week, you'll know that it says "growing pains." That's the theme we're going to use today. Paul speaks of those growing pains in a kind of different way. In one Corinthians chapter nine, he says this: "Do you not know 
that in a race all the runners run. But only one gets the prize. Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last. But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Later on, we're going to be thinking about, as we worship at the end of the service, about casting our crowns before our Lord. But we come in worship to the one that is worthy, the King of Kings, who we lay our our crown down before. So... Everybody, <laughs> like to stand. Uh, we're going to take your offering during this first song, and if you're a visitor here, please let the bag pass by you. Thank you. Right, let's stand and sing. Lord, the light of your love is shining. I love that last verse on it. It says, "As we gaze on your kingly brightness, so our faces display your likeness." Oh, how we long to see Jesus, don't we? I have come to pray for the young people before they go out into their groups this morning. Father God, we thank you for the young people we have here within our church family at Minehead Baptist Church. We thank you for their willingness to come to church and to learn more about you. Help us as we teach them about you. Help us as we live lives as disciples of you to show our young people how to be a disciple of you. Help us in all that we do this week in ministry to these amazing young people and those who teach them. In your wonderful name we pray. Amen. Firestarters and TNT, you are going out now. Just keep praying for them as they um, as they leave us. There's one person there. <laughs> um, the intercessory prayers this morning. I've been asking the Lord to guide and to lead and the thing that's been laid on my heart more than anything is young people Um, young people are the future we have one, two, three, four, five, I think it's six or five grandchildren and one great grandson and I think what is it going to be like for them when us older ones are gone The world is changing, and I want to pray particularly for the young people. There's a scripture, is Isaiah chapter 5 and verse 20. It says this, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet, and sweet for bitter. 
This is what's happening today. Things that are wrong are accepted. Things that are good are rejected. Let us pray. Father God, I thank you that we have a God where there is no equal. Thank you for the name of Jesus. And I just bring to you this morning the young people, young people in our schools, how schools have changed, how schools, there used to be an act of worship at the beginning of each day. Not so many schools do that now, Heavenly Father. Talking to some different teachers recently that we've met up with as we've been out and about. Met up with one yesterday and it was good to hear that in Danesfield School in Williton it's functioning as a church school and there is an act of worship and St Peter's there too. Some of the schools have Push Jesus out. There's no place for Jesus anymore. And Father, if I'm concerned, if we are concerned, it must be a concern of you. We know it is. And I just pray that you will change the situation, that Jesus will be back into our schools. Jesus will be back into young people's lives that the name of Jesus won't just be used as a swear word but people will stand firm for Jesus. The other day my wife and I were in Taunton and the road right through the centre of Taunton was closed And it was closed for a pride march. And I was amazed. There were just so many people flocking into that march. It was so sad. It looked attractive. It looked great. Everybody was waving and looking happy. And yet our young people are being taught these days to question their gender. In the news this last week, I think it was, or the week before, there was a lady so excited that her seven-year-old son wanted to wear a dress to school. And people were saying, that is so good. That little boy would be getting bullied and teased and going through a hard time. Father God, I just pray for that little boy. You have created him as a little boy. Just bless him. Help his mum to uphold and be strong in what that little lad is and not to make him doubt his gender. Because it's something that's happening 
so much among you young people these days. Father, I think of our step-jack grandson who has tried to change his gender and he's not happy. He's not the person that he should be. And Father, I just pray that people will embrace your word, stand firm in your creation, in your goodness, in your plan. We lift up the pupils in our schools. May they know life in all its fullness, Heavenly Father. May they experience the compassion of Jesus because so often compassion and love seems to be missing, missing in some families. Father, I pray for a lady that we saw on West Somerset Railway train some weeks ago. She was there with her son. She was shouting at him. She was swearing at him. She was anything but what a mum should be. And Father, it went through my mind, how is a lady like that going to be reached for Jesus? Lord, the light of your love is shining. Help it to shine out into this world reaching parents, reaching young people, reaching little children, reaching the, chil- the teachers in our schools, that Jesus will be lifted up in this land. Shine. Jesus, shine. Let the floods of your love Flow. We've seen the floods in Minehead just recently. Let that love flow through this town, flow through our villages, flow through and into our churches. Oh, Father, I thank you that there are churches that preach the gospel that are alive and praising and uplifting the name of Jesus. There are so many that have compromised their faith in an effort to try and fill their seats. Father, move in our churches. Pour out your blessing in this church. Thank you for it. Father, shine through Jesus in this land. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Barry. We come to the Word of God. And we're reading from 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and from verse 13 to 20. And we also thank God continually because when you received the Word of God, which you heard from us, You accepted it not as the word of men, 
but as it actually is, the word of God, which is at work in you who believe. For you, brothers, became imitators of God's churches in Judea, which are in Christ Jesus. You suffered from your own countrymen the same things those churches suffered from the Jews who killed the Lord Jesus and the prophets, and also drove us out. They displease God and are hostile to all men in their effort to keep us from speaking to the Gentiles so that they may be saved. In this way, they always heap up their sins to limit to the limit. The wrath of God has come upon them at last. But brothers, when we were torn away from you for a short time, in person, not in thought, out of our intense longing, we made every effort to see you. For we wanted to come to you, certainly I, Paul, did, again and again, but Satan stopped us. For what is our hope, our joy, or the crown in which we will glory? in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ when he comes. Is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and joy. And we just pray, Father, for Paul now, that as he brings your word, Father, we pray that the very word that goes out from his mouth, we pray it be your very word. And we know, Lord Jesus, that it will speak and that it will cause us to respond, Lord Jesus. So give us ears to hear, Lord. Give us eyes to see, Father, and anoint Paul, Lord. Amen. 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 And amen. That, that subject, growing pains. If you were a teenager, as a teenager, if you grew rapidly, you'll know what growing pains were like. Difficult. In fact, literally painful. Realistically, that's the subject that Paul tackles, this sense of the church and its growing pains. In the passage, that's just been wrecked. And so we continue to look into the world of this church in Thessalonica through the eyes of Paul as he writes his first letter to the church there. Paul's writing to a church he knew well. He loved. He cared for them. It was a church that he wanted to encourage. Not just to stand still where they were, because remember, this is a church that's being persecuted, so not just to stand there, being able to withstand the persecution, somehow content in all that the Lord had done for them. But realistically, Paul was encouraging them to seek the Lord in all of his ways and to move forward. In essence, no matter how hard it was to grow, Growing pains. That sense of the Lord asking his church to seek him and move forward. Does that sound like us somehow? And he wanted to do it because no one said it was going to be easy to live a Christian life. Anyone here think it's easy to live a Christian life? No one has ever said that there's no cost to being a Christian. No one said it would mean everyone would agree with you. In fact, no one said that being a Christian, even in a so-called Christian country like Britain, if Britain can be called a Christian country, would be easy at all. Now friends, it wasn't easy to be a Christian in Thessalonica. Believers faced persecution and suffering. Yet in the midst of suffering... The Thessalonian Christians experienced joy. 
In fact, you know that in Scripture. We've read it already a couple of weeks ago. They received Paul's ministry of the word in much affliction, according to chapter 1, verse 6, with the joy of the Holy Spirit. They were being persecuted, but they were joyful. Now, I'm not saying when I say this that we are being persecuted like they were. But they have one advantage over us. Their enemy was obvious. Ours is not. There's a spiritual battle, friends, going on in mine head. Did you know that? And if you're not convinced about it, I've got to tell you, I am. There's a spiritual battle going on in Britain in the 21st century. The enemy is subtle. Gently pulling society and the church and individual Christians, if he's able away from scriptural truth. Against that background, any church that's growing or seeks to grow can expect to experience growing pains as we seek to win the lost and glorify the Lord. Even though we may not experience the same kind of political and religious persecution that the early Christians suffered, nonetheless, we will still face persecution. Scripture to Timothy tells us that that's the case anyway. 2 Timothy chapter 3 verses 12 to 15 says this. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evildoers and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learnt and become convinced of, Because you know those from whom you've learnt it, and how from infancy you've known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. If we are living, according to this passage from Timothy, a godly life in Christ Jesus, we will suffer for his sake. Lovely, cheerful message to say, isn't it? But truth. And Paul, in this passage, explains the kind of divine resources we have to face those times of suffering and persecution. And I've become convinced, friends, that this church needs to hear this message that Paul has for his church, for this church, as he writes his letter. So what is Paul's message? Firstly, Paul says God's word is within us. Verse 13. Now, in the New Testament, the word of God usually refers to the preaching of the gospel and the Old, or the Old Testament, or indeed of Jesus Christ himself. And today, if we're not careful, in our 21st century world, world we do something that's quite dramatic, but we don't realise it. We use, we say this is God's word, and we literally just mean the Bible. But remember, Jesus is the word. John 1 1 emphasizes it. In the beginning, talking about Jesus, was the word. And the word was with God, and the word was God. See, the truth is, every church, this church, has been founded on the reality that Jesus Christ is the word of God. And it's his gospel. Not mine or yours. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
the same word that brings us salvation also enables us to live for Christ and endure suffering for his sake. And Paul was thankful, wasn't he, that all the saints in Thessalonica had the right spiritual attitude towards the word of God. They accepted it, received it. And it helps them endure the hour of suffering. If you and I want to endure whatever comes our way because we say we are of the Lord's, then we need to ground ourselves in his word. Period. What did they do? Well, they appreciated the word. They didn't receive it as the word of men. They received it as the word of God. Do you know one thing we must never do? We must never treat this amazing book, the Bible, just like it's any other book. It is not. Okay? Because the Bible is different in its origin, in its character, in its content, and frankly, in its cost. There are two facts about the Bible that show the view the world has. Do you know the Bible is the, still the number one selling book in the world? More Bibles are bought than any other book. Did you know that? It is also true to say that recent surveys show that the Bible is also something else. Because the Bible, the word of God, inspired by the Holy Spirit, written by humanity, who were used by the Spirit to write it, is also the book that more people have but have never read. The Bible, the best book, most bought book in the world, it's also true to say, is also the book that people have on their bookshelves that they never read. Well, you have one advantage over those Thessalonians, you have the word of God at your fingertips, readily available. I wonder, and I'm going to ask you to ponder with me, would you miss the Bible if all of a sudden it wasn't there? Would you miss it? On honest reflection, how much would you notice? I wonder. Would you rather have the Bible than food? Mary and Martha were sisters together. Mary chose the word. Jesus Christ sitting right in front of her. Martha got involved in making a meal. Mary got a blessing. And while I feel for Martha, how much blessing did she miss out by not engaging with the word that was right in front of her? What about you? Would you give up a meal? To read God's word? Would you rather have God's word than money? Psalm 119 verse 74 says this. The law from your mouth is more precious to me than thousands of pieces of silver and gold. And that psalm has other verses that reflect that truth. Verse 14, verse 127, verse 162. Be honest. The word of God or money? What would you rather have? I suspect that if many of us face that choice, that what we think about is what could we do with the money? Maybe you think, well, I could go on a well-earned holiday. Or if it's enough, I might be able to give money to my children or grandchildren so that they could get a good start in life. 
maybe reduce the mortgage that they would eventually hold. That's snowball in itself. But the very best start you could ever give a child is to teach them to know and love the Lord Jesus Christ as their saviour. The very best start. Rather than dreaming of what might be, maybe we should go and share the good news of the gospel with them. Money or God's word? There again, would you rather have God's word than sleep? The Jews had three watches in the night, sunset to ten, ten to two, and two till dawn. And the psalmist, this psalmist in Psalm 119, writes that he gives up sleep three times each night in order to spend more time with the word of God. Psalm 119 verse 148 says, My eyes stay open through the watches of the night that I may meditate on your promises. What about you? Would you give up sleep for the word of God? Friends, if you don't know this already, I know Christians who can't even get out of bed on a Sunday morning to study the word. What about you? You see, if you want to be victorious in suffering, we need to appreciate the word and it will cost. Maybe sleep, money, time, I don't know. You're you. But there's a second attitude that we need to show towards the Bible. Yes, they appreciated it. And secondly, they received it. They received the word. Now, Paul in here, in Thessalonians, used two different Greek words for received. Okay, if you really want to know the technicality of it, I'll show you later. But the first one means to simply accept from another. Okay, so a bit like... You give me something, and I go, thank you very much. I accept it. But the second use of the word, and that's Paul's most common word here for receiving, is to welcome. To welcome the word of God. One, the first one, means hearing with the ear. The other means hearing with the heart. And when he talks about the word of God, Paul says, receive the word of God with the heart, with the hearing of the heart. In scripture, Jesus repeatedly warns people, warns us about the wrong kind of hearing. And his warnings are needed. They, friends, we need to acknowledge, appreciate the word of God. We need to receive the word of God. And then we need to apply the word. They obeyed the word by faith and the word went to work in their lives. It's not enough to appreciate the Bible or even to receive it. We must apply the word in our lives. It's really easy. You just have to trust me on this because I won't say, give you an example. But it is really easy for people to take the word of God and bend it round to suit their lives. Rather than accepting the word of God calls us to bend our lives to it. Why is it so important? So they obeyed the word of life. The word of God, you see, it's important because the word of God has power to accomplish the will of God. I want to tell you the truth of my life. This word, this scripture, 
that by the grace of God I'm able to hold and touch today has changed my life so many times in so many different ways by the power and the grace of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit prompting me. Why is it so important? Well, we live in the 21st century, all agree? Anyone think we're still in the 19th? We're in the 21st century. And many people this century, since the millennium, have said it's the, it's the era of more enlightenment. Friends, we need to understand something. Mindhead, we need to learn a lesson from this group of 21st century Christians. Look again at verse 18. This is what it says. We wanted to come to you. Certainly I, Paul, did again and again. But Satan blocked our way. It was in appreciating the word of God, receiving the word of God, and applying the word of God, that this group of Christians, and indeed Paul himself, was able to recognize the work of the enemy, and his name is up there, Satan. And Satan and his minions still prowl the earth today. See, if you're not careful, you can listen to the mood music as if Satan is somehow not real. I want to tell you, he is. According to scripture, 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, he's the ruler of this age. And according to Ephesians 2.2, 2, he's the ruler of the kingdom of the air. That still applies. It's not as if somehow during our enlightened period, in the last couple of hundred years, we overcome Satan. He is defeated, but he's still on the prowl. Now, we don't know exactly what stopped Paul going back to Thessalonica. Opposition, illness, travel arrangements and complications, or a direct attack from Satan. But Satan worked in many ways just to keep him away. I'd like to argue that many of the difficulties that prevent us from accomplishing God's work can be attributed to Satan. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12 says this. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And in case you wonder what that means, that means this morning we are a meeting of the frontline troops. Our struggle, friends, is against the evil forces. Now we may choose to believe that we know better than this those Christians in Thessalonica, we're more educated, more logical, we would say, more enlightened. And even we know, don't we, that much, we say we know rather, that much of what they were saying was Satan, we can attribute to other things. So, for example, logical things. So we can see now that the opposition to Paul's going to Thessalonica was really those around him trying to direct his attention to those places where he might make the greater impact. Or any illness was probably due to a bad diet or a lack of good medical systems. And surely we've cracked that now, haven't we? We've got good health systems, well, in the Western world anyway. And there may have been trouble with travel. But that's not a problem nowadays, is it? Just to let you know, we can go anywhere in the world in no time at all. I did check. It's absolutely true. I wanted to find out how long it would take us to fly around the world. 
Concord holds the record for that. It took passengers completely around the world from Heathrow Airport all the way around back to Heathrow Airport in 31 hours, 27 minutes and 49 seconds exactly. You can fly around the world in just over a day. I'm not suggesting you do. Jet lag would be awesome, wouldn't it? See, if we're not careful, what we know, our intelligence, our integrity, our inventiveness and our natural compassion, we can believe that that can indeed will overcome anything. All we've got to do is enough time for us to be able to work out the solution and it'll be okay. My response to that stance today, if you think that is so, is to say this. How subtle of Satan to make you think that. Friends, we're in a spiritual battle with an enemy that, in my opinion, in the 21st century, is playing to our ego. He's ego rubbing us. So Paul goes on and he says, well, actually, in addition, you need people, God's people around you, verses 14 to 16. If a growing church needs to stand strong on the word of God to grow, Paul knew it needed something else. Do you know, here's one of the lovely things about this church, about local church. We stand together in times of difficulty. We encourage one another. I want to let you know, I was encouraged on Wednesday to go to our Natter Club. If you've not been to it, it's a really good group of, group of ladies, actually. I was really encouraged. I'd gone to collect a donkey. I'll let you know why later in the year. <laughs> I'd gone to collect a donkey. And incidentally, I, I know some of the new natterers are here. Just to let you know really well, the purple donkey you gave me blew away the minds of, of Christians together in my head. Thank you, thank you, Carol, for being one of them. I was blown away. And the reason I was blown away was because of one small comment that was made when we were talking about how we're going to bless the town this year with this donkey trail. More about that later in the year. And one of the ladies there, incidentally, I don't think she, she's a lady that doesn't normally come to church, said, when we talked about we've got to do this and we've got to do that, her response, so she carried on knitting, was just to say, it's okay, Paul, we can do it together. An amazing sense of just a few words of encouragement. It's lovely. We can do it together. We stand together, in difficulty together, we encourage one another. I, I want to invite you to do something today to make a real... Do you all want to make a real difference to Minot Baptist Church? I want to ask you to do something for me. Okay? Here's what you've got to do. It's going to be really costly, and you might have to change your way. If you want to make a difference in this church today after the service... Don't go and gossip about someone or moan about the church after the service, but find someone and encourage them. Don't moan about the church. Don't gossip about people, but go and encourage them. It's really easy to moan, isn't it? Genuinely, it tickles our ego to gossip. But go and encourage someone. Go and encourage those who serve the tea and coffee, those who do the things that are unseen. 
You can go and make a real difference if you go and stand strong with someone rather than making yourself feel better by moaning and destroying. How do I know that? Think of the story of Elijah. It was when Elijah isolated himself from other faithful Israelites that he became discouraged and he wanted to quit. You may not want to hear this, but you need me and I need you. Let's encourage one another. Paul's point in verses 14 to 16 is that we want God's people around us. And then he says in verses 17 to 20 to summarize things, it's God's glory before us. Finally, a growing church recognizes something else as well. In verses 17 to 20, Paul reminds the church that whatever happens, God's glory is before us. The ultimate reward for Paul's ministry, according to verse 20, wasn't money or prestige or fame, but new believers whose lives have been changed by God through the preaching of the gospel. That was why he longed to see them. I've been privileged in ministry to to speak to people who have come to the Lord. Not because I'm anything great, but because the Lord has changed their minds and they've seen him. And I want to argue that no matter what ministry is given to you, your highest reward and your greatest joy should be those who come to believe in Jesus Christ and are growing in him. Those ladies that knit a natter, apologies Carol this time, those ladies that knit a natter, I want to argue and say to them, keep going. But keep going because if you are you and you are living the gospel truth in front of those that come and knit a natter and don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, at one stage they're going to say, why? And you'll have the opportunity. What matters in ministry is not what God has given you. The highest reward, the greatest joy, should be those who come to believe in Christ because you are growing in him. It matters. Incidentally, I don't know the ratio. Someone asked me the other day the ratio between knitting and nattering. And the truth is I don't know. But that's okay. Whatever it is, keep going. Paul was not ashamed to state his affection for those Thessalonian Christians. He felt as though he'd been orphaned from them. You can read that in verse 17. Why? We read back in chapter 1, it's because he believed himself to be their spiritual mother and father. Paul wanted to remain there. He wanted to get them grounded. But the enemy drove him out. However... His absence, according to scripture, was not physical. It was just physical. It wasn't in the heart. But Paul did not look back and give in to regret and remorse. You know, that's the other thing we can do as Christians. It, it, it is the truth. Well, that's my amazing privilege to know a man called Chris. Chris has gone to be with the Lord. And Chris came to preach the word of God when he was in his 60s and I remember him saying to me once, if only I had preached this word when I was in my 20s. And almost immediately he said, but I couldn't have preached it in my 20s. I can only preach it now because of the way life has given me experience. In one sense, his regret was that he didn't do this 40 years before. But when he removed that and he looked forward and he rejoiced, then his preaching had real power. 
Let's not look back with regret and remorse, but look forward with rejoicing. Because here's the good news of the morning. Ready? For a Christian, the best is yet to come. Hallelujah. The good news is there is no Sunday morning where Paul preaches for 20 odd minutes. Hallelujah. Okay. <laughs> for the Christian, for the Christian, the best is yet to be. And whether much we might get on with each other, how much we might bump into each other, how much we might upset each other, and whether much we might be not Christ-like to each other, the reality is for you and me, the best is yet to come. And in times of trouble and testing, it's important that we take that longer term view. Paul lived, not just in the present, but in the future. You can hear it in those verses. Here and now, but also what is to be. Because his actions are governed by what God would do in the future. The truth of the matter is, the Lord will fulfill all his prophecies for this church. Do you believe that? The challenge is, it might not be in my lifetime. But God will fulfill them. Because he said he would. And that's where Paul lived. Yes, we need to deal with each other in love and care and respect here and now. But actually, we also need to remember, throughout any difficulty and problem we have, the best is yet to be. How do I know that? Do you know, you and I are going to do something amazing. Did you know that? One day, you and I will stand before the judgment seat of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And you may want to say, I don't want to be judged, but I want to tell you, if you know him as your Lord and Savior, you will be found free. That's scripture. You will be found clean. As I stand before the Lord in my mind, even as I picture it now, I'm going to stand there and say, Jesus, I messed up. I fouled up. And he's going to say, it's okay. I pay the price. I've got that to look forward to. What about you? And more than that, ours is a rich heritage and future. Do you know, like the elders in Revelation 4.10, one day we will worship the Lord and lay our crowns down before him. We're going to worship him face to face. That's our heritage. After all our work was done, after all our work is done, after we get called home by him, we will worship him face to face. And the work of that, the reality of that, the making possible of that, has been done by him, not by you or I. Our work was done in his power and his glory because he first worked in the world in his power and his glory. Hallelujah. So when I stand before him, the one thing I know is that no matter what, he deserves all the praise. I'll cast my crown before him. So I want to say to you, we're going to worship in that sense of spirit and in truth. And we'll worship him who lives forever and ever. I want to say to you, just as I can hear in my mind to finish, Paul saying to the church in Thessalonica, don't give up. Lay hold of the spiritual resources you have in Jesus Christ. You have the word of God within you. Do you know that? The people of God around you and the glory of God before you. Yours is a rich inheritance. 
Dear Minehead Baptist Church, however much today, tomorrow, next week, next year, we bump into each other, we upset each other, there's no need to give up. Don't believe the enemy. And if you want to know how I know that, go home with these words ringing in your ears. In fact, friend, the victory in Christ is yours. Amen. Friends, let's come before our Lord in prayer as Sue comes and we think of our worship. Let's pray to our living Lord. Father God, I thank you for Paul's word to this church in Thessalonica. And Lord, I simply pray, make me an encourager today. Make me one, Lord, that understands Make me one, Lord, that doesn't moan or gossip, but simply encourages others for the sake of the gospel. Make me someone that, despite all the suffering, holds on to the word of God. Receives it, nurtures it, nourishes it, treasures it. Make me one, Lord, that looks forward to the glory that is to be. But in doing so, speaks of your glory. May today I be a blessing. And may, Lord, you be blessed. In Jesus' name I pray. I wonder what your inheritance is in your mind. When I was young and I first became a Christian, I thought we'd all be sitting around on clouds playing harps. If that's your image. I want to say to you today, my image is one of I will worship my Lord in truth, honesty, with all things that separate him from me. God. And there is that beautiful image which I want to pray as a blessing over you in Revelation chapter 4. It is the image that we spoke about, that we, all, we started service with, really. Revelation 4, verse 8 says this. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under his wings. Day and night, they never stopped saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory, honour and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and say, You are worthy, O Lord and God, to receive glory and honour and power. For you created all things and by your will they were created. And have there been. I once had a dream. Literally a physical dream. Where I saw myself laying. What I thought was my crown before my Lord. And I've got to tell you I wept. Heartedly and wholly. In honesty and in truth I wept. My prayer for you this weekend. This week is not that you'll weep. But you'll come to the glory of that moment of worship.
and be able to sing my blessing on you. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. To leave a comment, please go to moanhead-baptist.com slash sermons. Well, thank you once again for listening and I'll speak to you soon.